Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Broadway Talks, where I sit down with Broadway stars and discuss the magic that is theater. In this episode, I'm so excited to say that I'm joined by J. Elaine Marcos, who has not only starred in over 10 different Broadway shows, but has been an adjudicator for actual musical theater college auditions. Hi, J. Elaine. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? Oh, I'm very good. I'm doing well. Thank you. Great. I'm glad to hear that. I know you're in Los Angeles. So sunny, sunny, sunny weather. That's good this time of year. Yes, most of the year. And I think we might have rain maybe a couple days, but I have done my time in the snow and I know I will do more time of winter coming up at some point, but uh, I'm enjoying it right now. That's true. Soak it in while you can, I guess is all I can say. Yes. No, I feel you. Uh, I live in Dubai where in summers it gets over 122 degrees. So it's a killer, but at least now it's a little bit better. So, Wow, my goodness. Yep. You know what? That makes sense where you might like it cooler. Yep. That's true. I mean, like there's a joke here that you only really get a one and a half seasons because you get summer and then for two (laughs) months you have half of winter because it's not really cold, but it's kind of sort of there. So that's right. a little joke that goes around. It's here. like, oh, I can wear it. No, it's, it's a good one. Like you can wear a little t-shirt and you're like, oh, I'm wearing my winter clothing. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, Anytime there's even like wind, everyone here runs and puts on their sweaters and their pants because you never get an opportunity here. So anytime there's even a wind, you see everyone with their right? like sweaters on and like, Ooh. so it's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's like a community it's a, thing. It's like an unspoken It's a cold ball. 80 Right. I'm sure I'm just picturing Uggs. I don't know if you wear Uggs there, but I know when I see people in Los Angeles wear Uggs, I'm like, really? Really? Uggs? You really really need that much fur? Yeah. You know, you take what you can get here and there, I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly. So before we get into everything you've done in your career, which by the way, is so impressive. I just have to tell you that before we get started. Um, Like I'm blown away and I'm sure everyone who's listening will be too when we get further on into this. Um, But before we get into all of that, I just wanted to ask you, how did you get into theater? Um, It was started off, I started off as a dancer first. And just like every uh, parent, Filipino parent, they put their child into every lesson possible that everyone else is doing. And I guess my mom must have seen that I was dancing around. So uh, she put me into dance classes. I love jazz. And I think also every time I would see theme park shows and we would uh, we would just be drawn to it. And uh, I so I started taking jazz. And thankfully, one of my dance teachers recommended ballet. And oh, I'm so glad she did. So then I started taking ballet. And from there, just being part of uh, a group of people of, and then they'd mention, oh, there's this also this other theater group. And so I also st- tried this little uh, student theater where it was just acting and there's a little bit of singing. So I just kind of just followed the next kind of thing that everyone else was doing. And at the last year of high school, that's when you decide what you're supposed to do with your life. And uh, since I knew I loved singing and dancing, I thought I would check that out. But I will say nobody in my family, Filipino family. My dad's a computer consultant, my mom, uh, a nurse. So when I said, oh, I think 
I want to do this thing. Like it was this thing that I saw where people were performing on stage and I saw Miss Saigon. And oh, Miss an Saigon, amazing production. Yeah, that that I saw the Toronto company. And once I saw Miss Saigon and I saw Filipinos on stage, that's when I was like, oh, I can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I had yeah. seen other musicals. I'd seen Joseph and the Amer- amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And I always loved it. But it wasn't until I saw Miss Saigon that I saw Filipinos on stage. And since I'm Filipino, I just immediately thought, oh, I can do that. Yeah. Let me do whatever that is. So that's how it all kind of started. And then it, it's really, I just followed the next thing that was fun. And I mean, that's amazing that you're a dancer first. I mean, that's actually more rare than you would expect. Most people start off as singers or actors and kind of branch into dance when they realize that musical theater is their passion because you know yeah. how important dance is. And that's so, and that's so interesting that for you, it's kind of backwards. It was dance that brought you into musical theater. Yeah, yeah that it's... Um... Because it there is this thing where they you know they ask you what do you what are you singing other than you know your ethnicity but <laughs> we're working on that we're working on we're that working um, on <laughs> or they're working on it um, but uh, you singer first a dancer first and when you identify with being a dancer first my insecurities mean that kind of says oh well I'm worried about my singing. And so the singing was the thing that I had to really still kind of overcome because I would say I'm a dancer first and I would really have to make sure I'm comfortable singing. So that's when I realized that uh, it was kind of the opposite for some people. They're mm-hmm. a singer first and they go, oh, no, I got to dance. Yeah. Are you kidding me? No, it's true. You know? So I'm the kind of the opposite. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's really interesting just like I said, because it's the opposite way that happened to you versus the, I put this in quotes, like the normal path, just because it's a more common yeah. one. That yeah. People, yeah. Yeah. Um, but once you start auditioning, you start realizing that, that okay, all three are just as important. Yep. And when I now compare my when I did compare myself to being a dancer compared to other people, I would see ballerinas, prima ballerinas. And I'm thinking, that's not me. I'm I love dance, but I'm, I did take point and I did, I have a good ballet background, but I was not going to be a ballerina. That's for sure. So to then say I'm a dancer, I was like, no, but what really kind of set me apart was this comedic, um, the physical comedy. I just loved it. Like I just love cartoons. I, yeah. you know, there's so silly and fun and it's so physical. So I think that's where I was drawn to performing in terms of the physical aspect of the dance can be very goofy and fun. And when you physicalize comedy, it's musical comedy. It's, it's, that's where I really kind of got into uh, the musical aspect of it and realizing where I fit in, in a sense, in my uh what became of my persona is or reputation is someone who is a triple threat or singer dancing I'm not threatening I swear but I can I could dance but then I just love comedy and like I said I kind of just always follow the fun so once I started approaching my auditions in a way and I realized that the reason why we all do this is because there's this level of fun you know, there's this community of 
being backstage and being silly and exploring different things. So I think the comedy aspect in the musical comedy is where I really kind of latched onto and realized that is why it's fun. Yeah. And I actually think it's so amazing that you said that because I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this more a little bit later on, but one of the biggest things that a lot of people going into the business don't understand or don't realize yet. And I've learned this through talking with so many people like you is that with dance, it's not always about the technique. It's about telling the story of the, of the character or of the show or like, it's just like singing and acting. Like I remember somebody said, everyone can sing, everyone can dance, everyone can do it. But if you can't tell the story and it goes mm-hmm. for the same with singing. So it's so amazing that that's what kind of brought you into it is how you could um, express yourself with like movement, which is something people realize much later on. Yeah, you know, you. the, the reason why I... First of all, I couldn't be a rockhead anyway. But the reason why I always felt that was boring to me, it was a spectacular thing in a sense, but there was, um, yes, there is a storytelling, but for some reason, I just didn't feel like the individual storytelling for the person dancing there is, it didn't really tell that much of a story individually. And I think it's the storytelling and everything. So when people say, well, uh, how do you, when, when it comes to acting, acting your song or acting your dance piece, I actually kind of don't even think that should, it just is like in order to do a dance, I'm hoping they're not just moves, tendu, turn, pirouette, jeté. I'm hoping it's not, that's not the story in your head. I hope the story is, oh, this is what I want. And the reason why I'm reaching over here is because of this. So it is storytelling across the board, stand up, improv, dance, everything is storytelling. And that's why we get engaged. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, of course, like you said, it. you just said it. Yeah. You said, well, you said it before that. And I was like, you couldn't see me snapping. I was like, that's it. That's it. That's all. And especially when it comes to auditions, people are, um, and I get it. I do the same thing too. We get so stuck in hitting the note and making sure we remember the words, but are we taking the people on a journey? That is the actual thing that we need to think about. But a lot of people do really just work on that one note but I find that it's the times in between the notes, the times in between the phrases, the that period. And sometimes in, in, uh, in the scripts, you'll see a dot, dot, dot. There's a dash. That's where your own personality can come in because it's in between the notes, mm-hmm. it's in between things. Yeah. I get so excited. I think that's the reason why I'm like, <laughs> I found it. I found something out. Yeah. We don't have to worry about the, the high note. Well, we still do. We, I mean, we have to do that work. But I get excited when peop- we can get past that point of, like you said, everyone can sing and dance and act. And they're like, well, you know when everyone says, well, um, bring yourself to it. And I'm almost like, oh, okay. You mean like, I, I know I love comedy, so a lot of times I would bring characters, but your own POV, your own um, uh, point of view on something, that's authentically you. That is it. So I think you can put those in on those times where people are kind of, kind. Of, I feel like they're wasting those moments in between. And I'm like, no, that's the juice. That's your special sauce. Mm-hmm. Put your special sauce on there. If not, it's just a boring hamburger. No one wants a hamburger. Put your sauce on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Oh, hope that yeah. wasn't too graphic. No, no, but I totally you- got it. Totally got <laughs> it. So if you didn't know already, Jay Lane has been in 10 different Broadway shows, which is absolutely crazy. I, I, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, everything from a chorus line to Annie to The Wedding Singer to Miss Saigon even, which was amazing because that was the show that kind of showed you that yes. you could do it. So, You know what? That one took, um, that one took like, even though that was my first Broadway show, it took me four years to get into that first show after my first audition while I was in high school. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, even though I did a chorus line before that, I toured with that, but kind of showed me that you know you go to an audition you think this is it this is the one I want but when I first auditioned for that ooh, oh I was horrible I was really bad because I was in high school I didn't know we don't know in high school we just do the best we can but I but thankfully the casting uh, people they saw something and at that audition they they said it's not gonna happen now but uh please keep on coming back to audition and keep on working on your voice to me, I heard, oh, gosh, you're horrible. What are you <laughs> thinking? You know, but thankfully, I took a moment. I cried. I um, did everything you would do, be dramatic and say, I'm never doing this again. And then I realized, okay, I better look into studying because I never studied voice. I, I just was started off as a dancer. So that's why I think training and, um, and, and the fact that I got that rejection, if you will, I got that no it made me realize, oh, oh, I think I really do want this, so I better work. So thankfully, I did get a no, and then thankfully, I, it it made me learn how to audition, and that is how you get shows, is you have to audition. You have to be somewhat comfortable with that process. Mm-hmm. And so I, having done so many shows, you can see that also they have closed. I have never been in a lot, like, I have been in long-running shows, but I have never been in a a Book of Mormon or Spamalot that runs forever. I can do the show, have a baby and come back. That's what people would do or, you know, yeah. but my shows would close. So I would have to be pounding the pavement again and auditioning. And so I became really good at getting rejected and then having to pick myself up again and go ahead, do a show and realize, oh, it's not going to last forever. So Jalen, you better still be in class while I am in a show. And I would always be taking, and I, I, like I said, I love comedy. So I would be taking improv classes, which were the, almost the opposite of doing a show eight times a week. Yeah, Eight times a week, you do something over and over, same thing over and over. And I was like, um, I want some fun. So during the day I would do improv and it would be completely uncertain, crazy, silly, and then I would go back to the normal thing at night and do my show. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, I mean, everything will happen for a reason because you <sighs> didn't get that Miss Saigon originally. It made you work, made you go to college, did everything, but everything happens for a reason. You were meant to be in that show and then you were. Yeah. Yeah. I even now, because of course I'm still in it, um, when I don't get something that I want. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. (sighs) And then I just go, okay. Okay. Remember the thing I wanted 10 years ago and I didn't get it. Remember what happened after there were other things. It's not easy. It's not fun. But if you want to do this business, that's just kind of part of it. And it is. And I just also have to surround myself with good people 
who are in it who can let me feel bad for a day and then they're mm-hmm. going like okay enough get out of this stop crying yeah <laughs> it's a class yeah I mean and that's exactly what you need right like a, I mean I say this in almost every interview but it's so easy to keep beating yourself down after oh every, my gosh so and you have to know like it's not a reflection of who you are like what you can do it's just that just wasn't the right part for you I know it's so hard to say in the moment of while I'm crying and the tears are coming down, well, I'm sure tears, everything is gonna, you know, work out. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's why I really do um, celebrate the tiny things that would, like, even though the big thing is to book something or to get into a certain college, maybe that some people are wanting. But the idea that during the day, if I worked on my monologue, if I worked on my sides or if I worked on something, I go, yes, I did it. I was a working actress today because I did it. A lot of people won't even do the work. You know, they won't even um, show up. They won't even listen to a podcast. They won't keep moving forward. So just the act of moving forward or signing up for a class, signing up for an audition, just signing up, just, just taking that little step at least you're moving forward. So I just think like I, I have to keep moving forward and moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree 100%. And I mean, you were, I mean, obviously throughout your 10 Broadway shows, you have learned a lot, done a lot of shows that have spanned over a long period of time. I'm assuming those 10 Broadway shows didn't happen in the same week. No, so, they didn't. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what is one thing that you learned in your first Broadway show, which was Miss Saigon, and yeah. then your most recent Broadway show, which was A Chorus Line, which you've done like yeah. three times over. But how yeah. has like your approach or your mindset to learning changed? Oh, I love that shows? you, s- right? Mindset, that is everything because I don't play an instrument per se. Like I know how to plunk on the piano, but this is the instrument, my body, my head, my feet and everything so and the mothership is what goes on in my head so a lot of times I think I've seen people who are very talented and have everything that I wish uh, I had like the the turns the jumps the everything but I can see them going yeah I'm not good enough I'm just not good enough mm-hmm. and I'm just yelling in their face are you kidding me you're amazing you could do this they're like ah no, and I realize how important uh, to focus on ourselves and what we tell ourselves, mm-hmm. because I can we can easily, like you said, um, just say we're not good enough for something and not even take the next step. So I realize that mindset and working on my mind, because also I love being creative. But if I am saying horrible things to myself, it's like that. that how am I gonna? How am I gonna? have fun so I have I've had to really work on and still do every day making sure that what I say in my head is uh nice to myself yeah um and uh what I did realize when I did Miss Saigon I was actually right before that I was working down at Disney World and dancing on the castle with Mickey in 
actually, you won't even think it's that hot, but you know, a hundred degrees and you're <laughs> no, like, Ooh, it's still, it's still that's, hot. It's that's still nothing. Hot. But um, there I am dancing on the stage with Mickey and then also improvising at night, doing a whole bunch of things in Disney World. And then I finally got a call um, that I booked Miss Saigon. When I started doing the run of the show at Miss Saigon, I, I couldn't believe how actually easy it was. One of the scenes, I'm literally sleeping on the floor, like closing my eyes while Leia Salonga is singing. And because we have to be asleep. We're sleeping peasants. Yeah. And I thought, oh my goodness, just last week, I remember when I had opened the show that first week, I'm lying on stage. And while she's singing, um, I still believe. And yeah. I, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I, I'm not even moving. I'm not sweating. I'm not doing anything. I'm just lying on a Broadway st- stage at the Broadway theater, listening to Leia Salonga sing. And getting and paid lot, to do it. And getting paid. And last week, I was doing like five shows on the Disney Castle, sweating like crazy and, and, and just working so hard. So this right here is not very difficult. But to get to this place, whoa, it's to get to this moment, it took a lot of hard work. But the actual work itself is sometimes not, you know, it is, but in that moment it wasn't. So I realized it is actually the more, the hardest work they'll ever do is in an audition. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, not even like physically, but mentally too. Mentally, I know. Yeah. And when you don't get it, it's, you think it's like a relationship. You're like, well, I'm never going to do it again because they don't treat me this way that's how people have their feelings with auditions and I've really had to change my mindset with auditions not only are they an opportunity I almost am like um I'm gonna do what I want I'm gonna you know what auditions are hard and not so much I mean it sounds like I'm like I'm just gonna do whatever I want but I really have gotten to a point where I'm like you know what would be funny here I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to have my red wig. I'm going to have my rubber chicken. And I'm going to go into Annie and in front of James Lapine and Charles Strauss and change the lyrics to a song because I think it's funny. And so I did. And thankfully, I did book the show. But it took me to a point of, you know what? I, auditions, I've got to find how I can make them fun. Because when you... Just something about comedy. And you know when you're hanging around someone, they could do anything. And you're like, I just like hanging around you. Yeah, yeah. I almost feel like that's how I approach my auditions. I do all the work. But at some point, I have to find out the secret ingredient for me is having fun because it's when you see somebody who is – if you think of your favorite comedic actor or someone like that, if you see someone like – for me, I see Steve Carell. Oh, and he's I, so funny. Right? He's and you so can just funny. imagine on like set. in real life? What is he like in real life? So I think subconsciously people are thinking while they're auditioning of like, oh, I could hang around with her for 10 hours. Or maybe not. I don't know. But, you know, you show professionalism, but then you also show, oh, their personality. Oh, this is how they can bring. Oh, and they also can take notes in rehearsal or in an audition setting. Oh, okay. I think I could be with them and I think they're creative. 
I think I might want to work with them. So I think that's how I've approached my auditions where I show them that if I'm having fun, other people, this is who I am and I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm, this is me. And if you don't want it, okay, I got to go. Mm-hmm. Have a good day. And it's that type of energy that I put behind my auditions as opposed to, oh, God, God, I hope I get it. I hope I get it. Although that's still in there. Yeah. But it, it, I just like to approach it with a little bit of fun. Yeah. Please, you know. No, of course. I mean, a few days ago, I was talking to a freshman at the University of Michigan. Um, his name is Ian Corsi. And mm-hmm. he said like 30 seconds before he went into his audition for his top choice school, which he got into and he's attending he changed his objective. He changed it because he said he wasn't, he wasn't feeling it. He wasn't feeling that connection. And he realized that 30 seconds before they had called his name and he's walking to the audition room. And he said, I feel like I have more connection to this. If I, if the objective is my father instead, and he did it and he got in and they loved it because that's what he connected to. Yeah. And, and you know, what also is, you know, everyone always says acting is in the moment and reacting. If in that moment, his own thought was, oh, I'm going to follow this. I'm going to follow this reaction off of this thought. It's in the moment. It's fresh. And that's the reason why people love improv. And that's another reason why people hate improv because there's uncertainty, but that uncertainty is so live. It's live theater. And I'm thinking that he might even be surprised because he's in the moment. And he's like, this is new. This is changing. Oh, I'm reacting honestly. And so it's just honest reactions. That's what I think anyway. So no, I get it. It's it's true. Go Ian. Go yes. Ian. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And along with your 10 different Broadway shows, you have done a wide array of TV and film as well. And... I mean, for you, I mean, obviously every TV show is different, just like every Broadway show is different, just like every performance within a Broadway show is different. How do you go about tackling the different approaches to theater performances versus uh, TV and film, just like stage and screen? Like what is your Mm -hmm. approach? How is it different? And how can a stage actor adapt to a screen performance and vice versa? Yeah, you know, when I was... Doing Annie uh, during what they had was, I think they still have pilot season, but I'm in New York. And I was very lucky that every, for like three seasons in a row or so, um, I had very busy pilot seasons, but I was also in a new Broadway show every year or so. And, or, or during that time between January and April. So that's the heavy time, very busy time in New York for Broadway shows because of the, you know, Tony time. And so you're locked in that show, but it's at the same time that the, up during pilot season. And so I would be auditioning for pilots. My tape would be sent to LA. And I always wondered what's happening with my tapes. Well, I wonder if anyone's watching them. I just didn't have a handle on what it was like in the TV world out here. Mm -hmm. And I would get far in a sense like, oh, you might be flown out. Oh, you can't, you can't get out of your Broadway show right now because it's during Tony time. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much. And so I always felt like, oh, I know I, 
I really want to do film and television. I love multicams. I love comedy. And I, I realized that I would need to step away from doing a new Broadway show. I need to just, sometimes you just need to take out certain things in order to bring things in. So uh, I wanted to really find out, well, what's the difference between LA and New York and LA? And, yeah. and I started uh, like inquiring on different managers out here uh, who were bi-coastal. And at the end of Annie, um, at my contract, I just realized like, you know, I, I, I know I want this. I love film and television and I love comedy so much that I just, I'm going to move to LA after Annie. And um, also there was a thing where, Jane Lynch came into Annie and there was like just I just felt like oh that's the sign I'm working with Jane Lynch now and you know I mean she's amazing that was she's hilarious she's so and she was amazing cool. and you know what was really cool it kind of ties into this where when we had rehearsal we had a put-in rehearsal for her and um and she were rehearsing Easy Street and they said okay well uh, Jane's coming in on Thursday and I was like I remember being on stage or walking backstage and I could hear her voice on stage and she's just very, just, you could hear her character kind of voice. And I'm in the wings and I'm looking at her. I'm like, oh my goodness, here I go. Take a deep breath. And I walk out and she's like, hey, how nice to meet you. And and what was really cool was she had just finished winning, you know, Emmy Awards and she was on Glee and there she was. And she was just as vulnerable and being like, whoa. She would look at the theater and go, whoa, I, I haven't done this. I haven't been on stage in so long. Oh, gosh. You know, like I could see yeah. her be slightly nervous. And there was a tap section in our dance. And I, she would just go, look, I got bigger fish to fry. I'll try to get the notes, but I'll try to get the tap. I'll try to be on my numbers, but I'll just do what I can. You know, she just is she just dives into it and I love the way she she kind of knew that she has been out of this element but because it was her first love she she just every night would just get more and more comfortable and then she just really got comfortable in it and then she was doing a little bit more sticking here and there and I was like this is it so the idea of going stage and film and film and stage, it is different, but the live aspect is like nothing else because obviously you, it's, it's, there's no stopping. Um, and the, the amount of rehearsal that's required, of course, although I would think for Glee, there's a lot of rehearsal too. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I did move out here, I realized that the, in, let's say for Law and Order or NCIS, you know, it's very formulaic. For me to think that I am going to get that same high that I get when I'm performing on a Broadway stage, when I'm doing NCIS or Law and Order, it ain't the same. And so I would start feeling, oh, I'm not doing my job or it's not the same or or, I'm not, this doesn't feel right. No, this is exactly how it's supposed to feel. You do your thing. You, it's very formulaic. It, it might not have that amazing community feel because it's just these. It's a very a robot, robotic in a way, in comparison to what Broadway is. So just knowing that this is different, and also the director might not even say anything in terms of 
good job. Um, Just because they don't got time. There's so many more elements. So realizing that you actually have to just, you're almost kind of alone a lot of times. I'd be sitting in my trailer going, "Mm, I'm working. And this is what it feels like. You know, it it didn't have that same feel. So making sure that I kind of was, was aware of the differences, especially or when I've done commercials. Oh, as in, oh, it, if I thought I wasn't working hard on Broadway because I was sleeping, when I've done commercials, when I'm just smiling and having to swipe a Visa card and the camera is on my hand and that's it, just do the job, Jaylene, swipe and smile. And I'm like, that's my job today? Oh my gosh. Okay. So okay, it's, yeah. it, it is just... Sometimes it feels amazing. Sometimes it's art. Yes, it feels like art. Sometimes it's just, it's not. It's just, uh, it's just movement and yeah. there's nothing behind it. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of, I think also improv has helped me realize what is needed right here. What do I need to do? What do I not need to do? When I was doing Rent Live, I realized there were many days that even though uh, we would rehearse a lot, I would just, they wouldn't need me. And so I would just sit there and be available. And that was it. Man, was I grateful. Yeah. But I didn't have much to do because they were working on other stuff. So it's Mm -hmm. just be grateful for where you're at. And um, I will say a little bit of dish, but I would see other people going, oh, why do they call us today? I can't believe they're wasting my time. And I was like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Don't go there. You are lucky, honey, to be on this set. We are lucky to be working. Because <laughs> for somebody who knows, and, and I know that they know that too, but it ends. It ends. So at one point, just be happy where you're at right now because this show is going to end and we're going to have to audition again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the life of an actor. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So now onto something that is a step that people take into doing what you've done, which is college musical theater. Yeah. And so that's something you know. you've been doing. You're an adjudicator yeah. for musical theater auditions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so many thoughts. So many yeah. thoughts oh, for I'm that, sure, about that. I'm sure. I, you know what? I, I just, it was just in the past couple months that I, I kind of put it out there that that's what I do because um, I do feel like I have seen, oh, I've seen like um, people make videos of like, this is what the adjudicator is thinking and that kind of thing. And I, I got to not take it personal, but I'm like, oh my goodness, they have no idea that there are adjudicators out there who are nice. Yeah. <laughs> that that I know, oh, believe me, I because I still audition right now. And when I audition for film and television and, and, and um, producers, executive producers, some of them are really sweet and some of them are so loving and they get the best performance out of me. And then I see other ones who I wonder, why are you doing this at all? Because you look like you're unhappy. But then I realize that has nothing to do with me. That has nothing to do with me. But I do know the best performances I've ever given in an audition was when the casting director or the anybody who is behind that table, that they are 
a great audience. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's not who they want to be. They're, they're not there to be an audience. But at college auditions, I know where I was. And I didn't know the difference. And I I was so nervous. So I always feel like the more I can give as uh, an adjudicator, if I can give good energy, if I can make them feel welcome, then I'm going to get the best performance out of that person in that moment. So I always feel like I want to let people know that, you know, not all adjudicators are tired old. I can't stand this business. What are you doing? I really, I get it. I absolutely get it. And I still audition. So I completely understand. And I, I want them, you know, people who are auditioning, knowing that you're going to be nervous and it's normal. It's normal. And you're not auditioning for Hamilton. You're auditioning to show, Hey, this is who I am. And it's who you are in this moment, in this moment, whatever day it is, we're not defining your career at this moment. Yes. Some colleges really are. Oh, they're picking five people. I get it. But if you're one of the five, by the way, literally five, people. like it's not even an an exaggeration. It's not. And I realized, Oh, Oh my goodness. And I thought, Broadway was hard. Yeah, I mean, you know? I mean, it's like a zero. I mean, I did the calculations a few months ago. It's like a zero point zero three two acceptance rate. And it's yeah, like, that is. I not- can't. I can't. And, and the second you say that, I go. I'm sorry. That I. I'm not going to focus on that. I. I can't. I, I can't even do the math on it because, and I don't want that information in my head, mm-hmm. um, because I. It doesn't. It doesn't serve me as the creative. The yeah. person here is like. You know, you have your two sides. You're the one person who's like, I love this. This is fun. Let's just do it. And you're the other side who's like, oh, okay, so we have 0% chance of possibly getting in. So we, we shouldn't even do that. And you have these two sides of ourselves. So the day when I'm auditioning, I shut that side who's like, you know, we really shouldn't be doing this. I don't know why we're here. I let the other side who was like, ah, this is fun. I like blue. I like, let's just have, I bring her in so that I do not get bogged down by the percentage of of whether or not I'm going to book this or not. So I often have to just shut that down. And that's when the mindset comes in. And I'm like, why am I doing this? It's because what I'm doing right now is that's it. Yeah, Uh, it's it is when you put that much weight on everything, then don't do it then don't, you know, it really is hard for me to focus. I really live in a, in this, uh, I, people would think deranged reality and I have to, like, sometimes people like, uh, you, you put it, you, you go all in and all your auditions and I almost feel naive and I go, uh-huh. I just have to, because that's, I mean, and then when no I don't get it, going all the way, <laughs> doing this for your entire life to half-ass it, like there's no point in doing it. I know. And I can hear the parents, like when parents will ask me, so uh, what's the likelihood of, they really want to know, is my kid going to work? Is my kid going to, what, what happens? What, what happens if my kid doesn't work? And I almost want to be like, they're not going to work. There's going to be time when they are not going to work. I've done 10 Broadway shows. The shows closed, not because Jay Lane was bad. I hopefully, hopefully not. Yeah. They closed because that was the end of the contract. So it's the in-between times. It's kind of like in the songs and the monologues. The in-between times is is just as important as the times that you are in it. Mm-hmm. So 
I think that if they don't get into a school that they want to, then that actually is going to show them whether or not they really want this business or yeah. not, whether or not they really want to go into. Mm-hmm. How are you going to deal with that? No. And yes, if you're one of the five, I hope that you're going to go. But the best thing that I ever happened for me was getting that no. And then, so I, I do think that, yes, it, you do want to go to a school that teaches you, but you also want to go to a school that also will give you the tools to help you in the in-between in time as an artist. Uh, like you said, uh, like I have to do it all and we're creating our own things. And just like you are very smart of having a podcast, keeping yourself learning, moving. So, you know, if you don't get into that school, you're going to have to, there are other schools. This is just one. It's kind of like whenever I would audition for uh, pilots, I was like, I just need one network. I don't need them all. Yeah. I don't need a, you know, I just need NBC, you know? Yeah. But now I'm like, I don't even need you network. I just need any, just any channel. That'll be like, that could just keep me going. So, yeah. but NBC or ABC, if you're calling, that's good. That's, yeah. uh, I'm good with you. She will yeah. take it. She will take I'll it. I'll take it. So in auditions, I mean, I'm sure each school has kind of, and as bad as it is to say, and I hate this word, but almost criteria of what they're looking for. And I mean, some schools Mm -hmm. do like say openly, like we're a triple threat school. We want you to be as good of a dancer and singer and actor when you're auditioning for us. And some schools, and I mean, that's fine, I guess. Um, But you know what I've seen, there was there uh, lately, Someone has come in and they, oh my goodness, he was such an incredible, had the, the dance, he had such incredible dance ability. Uh, He had it, this it factor. And um, I could also see like, he, he had a monologue. And so, but he didn't have a song. But the criteria for certain schools, obviously, if you're going to musical theater, is you have to sing. And he, he didn't have anything prepared. But I could see that even though his, his dance was incredible, I was like, I want to make sure you have also some singing behind because he was just such a charming performer. And at that moment, I was like, what song do you have? Or can you prepare a song? And just because I could see even though in that moment he didn't have a song prepared, I could, uh, in this being in this business so long, you could just see the potential. And so that's what I'm looking for is, do you have, because they didn't have the means to take voice lessons. They didn't have the means to do all that stuff, but I could see the potential is there. So when I can see that, I, I then will even push them I almost feel like my auditions are like coaching sessions because I'm like, hey, I that's don't what they want should you. be. I mean, that's how they yeah. should be. They shouldn't be like this like divided thing because that's not how it is in the real world. And that's not how it is going into the four years of college. It is oh, yeah, like your four years session. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you don't audition for college because you're perfect. If you're perfect, you'd already oh, gosh. Broadway. Like that's the point of going to college and auditioning for college because you do need to get better. So expecting yeah. them to already be at Broadway level is not, you'd go out of business if everyone was already yeah. at Broadway level. Like there wouldn't be True. necessity. Bad business model. Exactly. But I, I really, I sometimes 
get in, not in trouble, but they're like, uh, Jalen, can we move on now? You've been with this. I'm like, no, I see it. I see it because they applied for this, but I see something else and I don't want them to just think at this very moment, I have to decide exactly what program. And sometimes a lot of colleges, you know, uh, have different programs. I'm like, you know what? I want you to get the most and college is expensive. So I want them to get the best bang for their dollars. Okay. You know what? If you will still get dance and you will still get acting, but I really want you to focus on your singing because I see it's there, but we need a, it's like leveling them out. Mm -hmm. I need you to have that. And I think it's there. So I just need to know that you have pitch and that you can pick up. And when you're in class, you're going to have to do a lot of hard work to catch up to people. Are you willing to do that? And a lot of people are like, heck yeah, I'm going to do the work. I'm like, good, because you're going to have to do a lot of work. But if I see potential, you know, other people might be like, no, I need to see it right here. I'm like, okay, well, then that's that adjudicator. But I think that's the reason why people do have me see that is because I can see the potential. And I know that when I started, I was not there, but I knew I would work my butt off. And so I have to see, will they, will they work hard? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that was actually answered my next question, which is, what are the qualities that you look for and what makes someone stand out? And you just answered it. It's, it's the oh, ability to... Oh, let me guess what your next question is. Okay, well, um, a paella, how to make a good paella. And I'll just answer that. But but no, that was okay. my next question. How did <laughs> you get... I mean, you must be a great adjudicator if you can see that much yeah. potential. My you bandwidth is ahead yeah. of yours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I definitely look for authenticity, which is... If you're if you mess up, that's totally fine. Um, because it really, I am on the other side rooting because there was maybe I remember, you know what happens a lot. Someone, this is the first time they're saying it out loud to somebody in front of my face, and I can see their eyes almost start glazing over. And a part of me is going, no, come on, honey, stay in it, stay in it. And I see them kind of drift away, and then they come back, and I'm like this, yeah. They got back. They got back. And it's that that shows me, oh, they did the work. And in this moment, they got a little lost, but they found their way back. And so that shows me, okay, I can trust them. Because often I think of it this way. My thought is, can I see them? Do I want them in my class? If I was in the class, not the teacher, if I was a student, and you know, we've all been in class, mm -hmm. and we're just like, why is that person in my class? Why oh. is that, per that person? And sometimes it's not even the person who is not as quote unquote at your good. It's the person who is lazy. The person who doesn't want to do the work. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That is in my class. I don't want lazy. I want to see someone do the work. So I'd rather have someone who is working really hard than someone who just is talented and not doing the work anymore and who doesn't want to be pushed. I want us all to be pushed out of our box. And then we're all like, we're out of our box. We're uncomfortable, but let's stick together. As opposed to the one who's like, I'm just going to stay in the box. I'm like, no, it's that's just not the point just of this. That's, that's not, not the, the point. point. That's the point, you know? So it's like, that's where the fun is. And everyone's like, ah, oh, and you're almost exhausted after when you're outside of the box. And that's why I love improv. It's like, oh my gosh, that was nerve wracking. But I learned a skill. Oh, 
I didn't even know I learned it while I was in this cold freezing pool because it just is like, ah, it's, it's scary. But I feel like that's where you learn a lot. And so when people are pushed outside of their comfort zone and they feel like, oh gosh, I, I, I forgot my line after I give them maybe an adjustment, it, I was like, that's great. It's because that means you're trying something new. But if you just do it the same, it just means eek, you can't take a note. And that's not at all how it's going to work in the real world. Yeah. It's like, yeah, because, we, because we you're have- not the one controlling how you perform your monologue or your song. It's up to the director, vocal coach, like choreographer, and you have to be able to carry out their vision. Yeah. And that's the reason why you've rehearsed for six weeks. If the way you did it in the first day of rehearsal at our meet and greet and our first run through was the way you're going to do it, then I guess we don't need to pay you for the next six weeks mm-hmm. to try new things. So it, it, you just, that's the other improv principle of yes and. Yes. Yep. Uh-huh. Sure. I will do it. As long as you're not hurting anybody. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, going, I mean, there's obviously a lot of like stigma of stress around college auditions. Everyone's like, this is do or die. Like this is do or die. You have to get in. You have to like, and it's so sad that there are so many amazing colleges out there, like actually so many, but there are those like three that make it on that like list every year that everyone puts their um, self-worth on it. And and it's what they say, well, if I don't get in here, then how am I going to you know, go on Broadway. And it's like, that's not how it works. But what is like the one thing that, or it's just some things that auditioners should know about the process? Yeah, every, every, well, everybody has a journey and I definitely did not get the Juilliard. I did not go to th- those top schools. Um, I went to the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. I went to the two-year conservatory. It wasn't even four years. I was in and out. Uh and I was originally from Toronto, so I New York was like, what? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm learning in New York. And it wasn't even two years. It was since I took this, I went through the summertime. It was like 18 months. So it was even quicker. But um, cut to 20, over 20 years later, and that's my resume. Mm-hmm. So we all have different journeys. And I also know that, like, I remember Katie Finneran when we were doing Annie, we were doing a talk back and she was, she just keep on stressing. We all have our own journeys. We, we just do. I cannot, we constantly are comparing ourselves to other people, but we cannot because that is not my journey. That is not, that's just, it's not. So if it was their journey to go through here, great. But um, I would be aware of if that jealousy hits in, yeah. Oh, I've been jealous. Oh, I totally have. And and what it kicks up in me is, oh, wait a second. They're doing something that I wish I could do. Well, how can I still do that if 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 there's something there? If if they're, I I I, I just am aware of jealousy. Mm-hmm. And what can I do to still get that feeling? I mean, if it's a specific thing of like going to Juilliard, that didn't happen. But what can I do to make myself feel like I am, uh, I am working towards my craft, or working towards getting to where I want to? You know what? I'm gonna need to. Uh, I might listen. I might have to find a podcast that's like I didn't get into Juilliard. What What do I do? I need to get my mind out of that 
comparison mm -hmm. kind of thing. So often I do listen to podcasts. I love this that you have one because it's, I have to get my mind out of the, out of that comparison mindset and start thinking, well, what can I do? Because sitting in this, oh, I wanted to go there and I didn't get it. It, it, yeah, I, I can't even explain it. I, I have no words other than, uh, okay, well, what are we going to do now? What, is that going to serve you? No, let's keep on working. Let's find another school and let's just figure out other ways to keep moving forward. Um, oh, I, ha I had another thought about the, just the selective process of five people. Oh, oh, people, I get it. Um, some people will be embarrassed and I remember people would be embarrassed like when I mentioned AMDA and I get it it's not Juilliard it's the American Musical and Dramatic Academy and there are a lot of people who came out of that school but a lot of people do go to that school and maybe don't make it make it per se we have to define that for yeah. other people too as well like what does that mean um, some people are a household name other people have just worked consistently but I just think I'm not going to be anytime that you're embarrassed of where you studied or who you are as your identity or whatever, that just is not going to help. So if I, I'm proud that I went to the American musical uh, AMDA, <laughs> I said, I went to that school. This is where I'm at. It showed me how New York worked and how to audition in New York. And I have so many people in the business who I've met there uh, that I still talk to because they're in the industry. And so that's just my journey. And anyone else who's on whatever journey, just go, okay, that's, that's you, it has nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. So I think wherever you're at, you make it the best you can. But I will say, you do want your faculty members or your teachers to be in the business, not having like they, or at least somebody who is still in it right now and eat. It's changing and you want those connections. Yeah. And, and even when I see that, um, I'm, I even think, and even though I adjudicate for colleges, I'm like, if you can study with, any of the people who are working on Broadway right now, you're getting a college education in the in a way that's even deep. It's a mentorship. And I think that's even deeper than what you would get in a college setting. So I'm not saying don't go to college, but that person who's going to Juilliard is that's great. But if somebody is working right now meant being mentored by someone on Broadway, um that is just as incredible to have that type of training and you want that you you want someone who is it, it, I just feel faculty members are able to say because I've even had people call me and go hey I'm at the Miss Saigon audition right now but I'm not too sure should I wear this when I sing or should I wear this and if there's anyone who knows about Miss Saigon auditions it's me and I'm like honey okay um wear this don't wear your dance heel wear this da da da, da. go ahead like it was, it was almost like a lifeline of like, Hey, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm an audition right now. And they found me on Facebook messenger. And if I'm available, I'll reply. 
and I did. And um, it was just in that moment of like, yeah, I, we all have a different journey. And if you could have anyone in the business who was, it could just give you that, we're not going to give you the job. Nobody gave me the job, but it's, you have someone who can kind of give you a sense of calm of like, you got this. Shut that mind that is selling you bad things. Wear these shoes, wear that dress, go in and kill it. And it, and she was like, okay, okay. She just needed that. You know, I think that's having people on your side is, is that's what I need when I'm going into an audition because we do all the work before that. We know who we're talking to. We know what and all that stuff. But when we're in that moment, we just need someone to go, okay, ooh, go. And you're like, okay, we just need that push. So I feel like those who are in the business, we know what is needed. I can give you all the who's in the room, this, the technical aspects, but I still need to push you into that room. Yeah. And sometimes you just need that, you need that motivational quote, <laughs> whatever it is, I am enough. You know, sometimes I'm yelling at myself in the car, especially in LA, before I go in, I'm like, I'm amazing, I got this. Like I have to say the silliest things, but I have to get myself into that mindset. You're amazing. Oh my goodness. Why are you so amazing today? <laughs> okay. And then I go in and then I go in because I'm with that. Ah, ah, it's a Rocky type of moment. You know, I have yeah. Beyonce in my ear of dun, 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 dun. like, I have this, like this theme track going in my head so that I can get into that space. So I feel like I just want to give others that because I know I need that when I'm auditioning so everyone make sure before you go into your audition you listen to that soundtrack whatever that song is for you if it's Lizzo if it's I don't know Candide whatever it is or or you know Hamilton my shot if you're having that you know when you just like ah I want to do this that's the energy yeah and I'm like so happy you mentioned that because I was asking my next question which is as an adjudicator and um you know, going to so many auditions in your lifetime, what is your opinion on overdone songs? And I mean, there's so many versions of it. It's like some people say, well, if you can do it and you can connect with it, go ahead and do it. But some people say maybe you shouldn't because there's so many people that you can be compared to. So, I mean, yeah. how do you feel? Uh, the thing is, is that I don't expect, even though I am in the business, I don't have a huge repertoire of like, I don't know all the songs. I have a great friend of mine who really helps with that, if, if that's what people's focus is. But I do think even prior to answering that question, I feel like there's a fear behind it of my song choice is going to be the reason why I don't get in. Or I'm fearful that other people have done the song. And these are these things that these are things not, uh, not in our control. So I there's this getting all these elements perfectly lined up, write song, have they heard it before? Well, you don't know that. You, you you don't know that maybe she used to be mine, which people, I'll just say, you know, people do sing that a lot. Do I love that song? Yeah. Do I love that song if it's not sung well? No. Do I love that song if it's sung well? Yeah. <laughs> That's my point of view. Um, but if it's just a carbon copy, if you've watched it on YouTube, and then you're singing it, that's the problem. That is the issue. There's no connection there. And we're singing it 
And I feel like sometimes when I'm given direction, I give them a change and I feel like it's so ingrained to sing it a certain way. I'm like, then I don't see them. I see the YouTube or the, the version that they know in their head. But if it's their song and they're, they love it, absolutely sing it. So I, I think, you know, if you are worried about doing an overdone song, look into the songs that are sung a lot right now and don't sing it. But know that if you're singing a song and you sing it well, I mean, I've heard even my songs that I sing. And when I hear somebody else sing it, I actually kind of like, like it because I'm like, oh, good. I know this song. And I, oh, that's the part where sometimes I get tripped up where it, it mixes a little bit. Oh, look at them. They navigated that area. So I'm, I think it's almost a good thing, but you were right about the connection. But I will say for these songs that definitely are beautiful ballads, people are connected to, right? You know, be like, oh, I love this song. But if there's only one emotion that's being like throughout the whole song and it's, uh, like a gut-wrenching like uh, type of feeling, if it's only one, you're not telling a story. You're just saying the same thing over again, which is almost yelling at me, I'm sad, mm -hmm. I'm sad. And you're like, okay, I know you're sad. Um, can we have a little glimmer of hope? Because that's what these songs are. So a lot of times, sometimes songs are really sad and they're dark or, or they're really emotional, but there's no glimmer of, can you, can everyone just find a moment of hope? Because you know, if I know this mm -hmm. is a podcast, but you can all picture me in a theater with that, you know, everyone has that, the look at the back of the theater and it's a glimmer of musical theater hopefulness. You know, that's, mm -hmm. so we want to see that. So if it's dark, but take us on a journey of, oh, this is where I was and this is where I'm going, but this is where I'm going to end up. And there's hope at the end. And the same thing for monologues. This is where if it's if it if it does, if you did the same thing with monologues, too. Um, but I would say if you're connected to the song, sing it. But if you are only connected because you're doing the YouTube version and you're there's not enough juice behind it to change it up in terms of having a journey. Uh, it'll be fine. But yeah, I just, I really think at this point, everyone just needs to find out what that gut feeling is and go with it and not be, um, not apologize for it. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to sing a song that everyone sings, go, you know what? I'm singing a song that everyone sings and I don't care. I'd rather have that energy behind it. You know, it's because like I said, the fearfulness of, look, I'm singing a song. No, I want them to be like, yeah, 10 people sang this before me. I'm the 11th. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it makes total sense. And like I said, there's just so many um, stigmas around so many certain songs and so many people say just like you, like if you can really sing it like if that's a song that you can connect to and a song that you can portray the story as sing it but if you're just gonna do it just like everyone else because you think it's the right choice right it might not be the right choice yeah you want to get that feeling just like ian was like oh this is what i feel boom go with that go with that mm -hmm. it's kind of like when you got 
if you feel nervous about it too, maybe that could be a good indication. Um, some because nerves is is excitement, and that's what I've changed it to be. Mm-hmm. Nerves. Yeah, I'm aware of when I'm deathly scared, but when I'm like, oh, I'm afraid to do this because this is wrong. If it feels slightly naughty. Yeah, that's when I'm gonna do it because I'm like, ooh, because there's <laughs> a little bit of fun behind it. Yeah. Okay. Enough about college and everyone being stressed all the time. But yeah, don't go to college. Don't bother. Never don't go bother. to college. It's the worst never. thing you can do. No. Coming straight from a college adjudicator, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> don't honestly. Go to we have our own. We have our own journeys. No, we kidding. really do because just if if that's what you want to do, and but the, and I know your parents will be like, oh, you're gonna have to go to college, then absolutely do that. But there are many different ways. So just know that. Whatever journey you're on, you can still get there. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. And I mean, look, just look at, and you don't even have to go to college to study theater, even if you choose to. Like, that's so not a requirement. I mean, I think, don't ever quote me on this, but I believe like John Krasinski, who was huge, he went to college to study English literature or something like that. Like, yeah. he didn't even study anything close to acting. And that's, and, and, and look at where he is now. And that's actually why I think a lot of people really are, if you're following what you love to do, what, whatever your interests are, you never know, it might end up coming into your career. It, it, and the more life you have outside of this, the more you can make these characters that you're playing have a much better point of view. And I think that's the reason why I never knew that I'd be fa- playing Filipino characters. And uh, in, in one musical, I really was speaking in Tagalog. And I realized, oh, I created a character that I never even thought that would be on Broadway. But mm-hmm. that, is, that is me. And I would put that in there. So you just never know. And, you know, if someone's in the medical field. They are great on medical dramas because they know the lingo and they get it. Oh, yeah. I tell you, I'm absolutely terrified when I do go in and I've had to do, I've had to kind of be a delivery nurse for something, for, for something, for in a, in a movie. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea and I was so nervous. But I knew that somebody on set, their job was to make sure everything you said was every, accurate. Yeah. Yeah. It was accurate. And that, like, me looking at a machine that I, pressing the right <laughs> buttons you know because yeah. i'm supposed to be delivering a baby but uh you just never know you should f- just because someone will say oh you know i like veterinarian i want to go to be a veterinarian uh but i don't know about this i just know that a lot of people who study with me now are not only um people who aren't new like right out of high school or something like that because they want to take some classes before they go to college there are also people who are in their 30s who just said I am done with doing what everyone else said like I was playing a flute or playing instrument I don't want to be behind the instrument now it's me time I want to be the actor in front Mm -hmm. so then it just never went away and so there's this common theme that if you like performing you think you're just going to push it down it's going to go away you might need to do it somewhere, even if it's, and it doesn't have to be on a Broadway stage. If you do karaoke every week, that's what you do. That's fine. Somehow just don't suppress it because she is creative. That part of me, she needs to come out. Yeah. And 
Yeah. So it'll never stop. And if you really start suppressing it and being like, oh, well, you know, I didn't do it in college, so I should never do it. No, just no, fine. That's yeah. not. Yeah, that's not. It, it's not going to happen. So I know a lot of people in their 30s, they're like, I always loved it in high school. I still want to do it. Then do it. Find a place. Find a, And don't apologize for 10 years or 15 years gone by. Just dive back into it mm-hmm. and just see where it is. Yeah. I mean, I 100% agree. Yeah. <laughs> Good. 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 <laughs> yes, and. Yes, and. Exactly. So I hate to say this, but we've unfortunately come to the end of this no! interview. But thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for agreeing and letting me just keep on rambling out information. I should be saying that to you. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. That's what I should be saying. (laughs) Well, I I get really excited about being able to share this knowledge because it's not until like I start talking about it that I realize I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, And I, when I talk about it, I, it's not until I start talking about it that I go, oh my goodness, I, I've been through kind of um, the ups and downs of it all. So if anyone really has questions, I always just go, I, I can just give you my perspective. I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you where I've been and what I've done. And if you ever want to ask me questions, please do, because I just know I never had anyone. I never had a Filipino role model. I never had someone in front of me. It was like, well, what happens if you're if you're brown on Broadway, you know, like I was like, yeah. come to me, I'll tell you, I'll tell you <laughs> yeah. what it's like. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, I'm just so happy to be able to talk to you today. I think, and everyone who's probably listening can probably agree that you've taught all of us just so much about the industry and just everything as a whole. Oh, great. Well, if anyone ever needs more information or want to, the hangout, they can always just, like you did, find me, email me, uh, website, or uh, wherever you find me. I guess Instagram and, and Facebook at, at Lane Marcos, and you can just ask me questions because I love talking about it. Yeah. And thank you to everyone who tuned in too. So look out for future episodes airing every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Stay safe, everyone. Bye.